Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. Rory here with you for the next hour. And unfortunately, we're talking about Cork City's relegation, something I thought I'd never have to talk about, but we're talking about it tonight. City relegated yesterday evening. Talked to former player Graham Cummins about it. We're also going to get the views of our own Colmus Sullivan and uh, Kevin Galvin, a sports journalist, as well to talk about that. Also on the show this evening, we're going to be talking to John Kavanagh. Big week for Cove Ramblers. They're looking to get into the promotion playoffs. Final game of the season, final round of games of the season coming up on Tuesday. We'll talk to Cav about that in a bit. And we're going to talk Camogie as well with Linda Mellor and everything that's happening with the restructuring of the Liberty Insurance All-Ireland Intermediate and Premier Junior Championships. You're listening to The Big Red Bench right here on Cork's Red FM. Right, just to recap on today's action, Limerick have beaten Clare 36 points to 123 in their Munster Senior Hurling Championship quarter-final at Simple Stadium. John Colley's side set up a last four clash with Tipperary next weekend in Cork and Porky Cueve. The win also sees the tree to retain their Alliance National Hurling League title. For the first time in 23 years, Mayo will be playing Division 2 football next year. They lost to Tyrone and Castlebar 314-119. to Monaghan and the already relegated Meath drew 214-117. to At the other end of the table, Dublin beat Galway 215-15 to points. Camogie and the Liberty Insurance All-Ireland Seeing Camogie Championship Waterford beating Limerick today 2.15 to 9 points in Group 2 Tipperary seeing off Dublin 1.13 to 11 points in Group 3 in Premier League action and uh, today's action uh, well underway at the moment uh, the second game of the day Wolves and Newcastle United finish uh, it is scoreless I should say 74 minutes on the clock Southampton ending Everton's uh, unbeaten streak they had a 2-0 win today Arsenal and Leicester City is a quarter past six kickoff Rangers six points cleared the top of the Scottish Premiership Stephen Gerrard's side beat Livingston 2-0 at Ibrox Celtic slipping up they drew three all with Aberdeen here at home Waterford beat Dundalk 1-0 in the SSC or Tracy League Premier Division uh, today they go fourth just a point behind the Lily White in rugby also to beat the Dragons 40 points to 17 in their Pro 14 clash at the Kingspan Stadium today Connacht away to Edinburgh 25-8 to in golf and uh, two birdies in his first four holes in his final round at the Zozo Championship in California has Rory McIlroy 11 under par he's 8 shots off the lead being held by the American Justin Thomas and Lewis Hamilton setting an outright record for Formula 1 victories today his win in the Portuguese Grand Prix took him to 92 it sees him surpass Michael Schumacher his Mercedes teammate Valtteri Bottas was second going to talk about Cork City's relegation to start the show yeah, light, nice, light, easy way to start the show today. Um, City relegated last night. They lost 2 to Sligo Rovers. Then Finn Harps went and beat uh, Bohemians 2-0 at Delimont Park so City relegated on the field for the first time in their history uh, I caught up with our own Colm O'Sullivan massive Cork City fan and uh, Kevin Galvin for Beat 102-103 also a massive uh, Cork City fan and we were discussing uh, Cork City's relegation uh, what they have to do next year is Colin Healy the man to take charge next year and of course the big vote happening on Wednesday night about the proposed sale of the club to Grove More this is our chat uh, with Colm and with Kev Alright, for more on Cork City's relegation, joined by Mr. Cork City himself, Red FM's own Colm O'Sullivan. Colm, how are you, sir? Kind of devastated, to be honest, today, Roar. Um, <laughs> like we've watched the Cork City games all season under Neil Fenn and under Colin Healy in the last couple of games, and we know it hasn't been great. We know we know it's been poor all season, yeah. and we know the last 18 months really have been pretty poor since John Coffey left the club. 
But I don't think either of us who were watching those games realistically thought we'd ever get relegated. We kind of knew it was a possibility, but it was only last night when that Finn Harps result came in, the realisation finally dawned that Cork City for the first time ever have been relegated on the pitch and it's not a good feeling today. No, it was a, a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. All right, we're also joined by our good friend, our colleague from Beat 102-103 in Waterford, Arden, Cork City fan himself, Mr Kevin Galvin. Kevin, um, what was your feeling last night when you saw that full-time score come in, Finn Harps two Bohemians nil uh, and Cork City were relegated Emptiness Rory to be honest Um, it's been it's been a very emotional week kind of for a lot of people and I suppose um, we'll go on to talk about it I suppose but this this vote that's coming up on Wednesday has me a lot more worried than the prospect of relegation to be honest you know like I mean we've been relegated before as a club we bounced back Um, you know like City supporters are are unbelievable like they're they're the best in the country Um, and and that was shown when we went down that time in 2010 and the kind of support that we have traveling around the country. Um, in a way, like, it's always terrible to be in, you know, to be, to be out of the Premier Division and, and the lack of coverage and the lack of sponsorship money, um, that, that, that that means. But actually, you know, in a year where we're trying to pick out of the positives out of life, um, there is one thing that I'm kind of looking forward to the first division. It's kind of the, that sense of, kind of community coming back like we I think we lost that a little bit in the Premier Division when we were kind of chasing the heady heights of Europe and, and that and you know like yeah, not, yeah. not that I wouldn't be delighted to be back in Europe next season but um, there is something about the First Division our time in the First Division that was so you know if we had kind of kept the essence of what that was then I feel like I don't know what we'd be facing into the situation that we find ourselves in now you know yeah I agree and uh, I suppose looking back in 2011 like winning the league up in Shelburne is one of my favourite probably my favourite memory as a Cork City fan it was probably my favourite Cork City fan moment um, that just that winning goal and uh, beating Shelburne to win the, the first division title was an incredible incredible moment but um, Colm um, no club is too big to go down Cork City have proven that I mean like when you try and make sense of this I mean like and try and kind of figure out what went wrong I mean like where do you lie I mean like where do you think it all started going downhill it's, it's a very hard one to call Roar because I mean it popped up on my Facebook memories the other day it Was it's three years um, about a week ago when Cork City won the league title in 2017 we won the league uh, with the game against Derry City at Turners Cross like in three years it's such a fall from grace and it's very very hard to pinpoint where it went wrong people will argue all day long who should have been the manager what players should have been there what players shouldn't have been there what money should have been spent what money shouldn't have been spent you'll have managers blamed you'll have players blamed you'll have board members blamed you'll have fans blamed you'll have the whole lot blamed but it's very very hard to pinpoint Roar I mean even before John Caulfield was sacked if we go back to that even even the last few games of John's reign things were already going downhill it didn't improve under John Copper. it was a disaster under Neil Fenn and uh, Colin Healy has tried to improve things in the last few games but I mean he's facing an uphill task and you're kind of going where did it go wrong and it's such a hard question that nobody could really answer Roar um, I suppose a lot of it comes down to finances and I mean that's where we go then and look at the possibility of takeover during the week there's a vote Wednesday night as we know on, on a possible takeover but I mean a lot of people are divided on that as well and and I, I haven't seen such a divide in the Cork City support over a lot of issues I think Kevin might agree with me um, than I have recently yeah, Kev, would you go along with that? Yeah, I, I would. And, you know, there was a time where, like, 11 years ago, I was thinking about it this morning. Myself and Paul Barry, who people might know, organised this march through town. 
Mm. And uh, the one real thing off the back of that, this was obviously in the time of Tom Collin and we, and we were chanting at the time, it's in the wrong hands. Um, it seems there was such a unity there among supporters. Like, I mean, Tom, all of the business with, with Tom Collin when he was in charge in Arcaga before that kind of galvanized the supporters. And in a funny way, if it wasn't for Tom Collin, I don't know whether we would have had for us in the way it was and would we have that momentum as a fans group that we would have been able to take through to get from where we were obviously the, the 13 players in the bus going up to Derry to being you know the double winners in 2017 like it's there was such a unity there and I suppose you know the thing is that at the time we had such kind of unity around that with with Tom Collin I mean he kind of galvanised the supporters and we all seemed to have this common goal to make the club better and that kind of took the momentum we took the momentum from that then and the prudency of that having having lived through that experience you know we made sure that our, our attendances were being budgeted correctly we made sure that you know I think there was a time we were sitting in the press hall and I think uh, John O'Sullivan who was obviously the first chairman was saying you know we, we, were, we have a thousand we've budgeted for a thousand and that's basically that was our first year in the Premier Division I remember and people were thinking you're mad we're going to get much bigger crowds than that but John said look a thousand is the absolute minimum we're going to get that's what we're going to base our, our finances on and I don't really know at what point was it because that we became successful and there was a f- sense of pressure that we had to keep that success going or was it because that, that John obviously you know had made a lot of signings and maybe there was pressure on from him I don't know the ins and outs of that but I, I do know that we definitely moved away as a group from that kind of prudent community-led sort of um, volunteerism towards a more professional club you know uh, in quotations and I, I think we've lost I think we lost out because of that, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Colin, I suppose <laughs> sacking a John Caulfield uh, is a massive part in this story. Uh, he wins the Dublin 2017 two years later. He, he, he's left the club. He, he, he's left go after a poor run of form. Um, he, the signings he had made, I suppose, didn't work out. And he had a, a bloated squad, I guess. I mean, like um, that was, I suppose, Caulfield sacking uh, a massive turning point in the history of the club. It really, really was Roar and I think we kind of said it at the time and I mean some people won't like us saying it now but looking back it does look like a costly error maybe sacking John Caulfield you might think was it worth giving him a little bit extra time maybe giving him just to see out that season and see how things went maybe he had earned that right to see out that season by being so successful over five years I mean every year it was second cup finals four years in a row won the league won two cups won the double I mean it really was a, a, a glory era for Cork City unfortunately it all unraveled towards the end um, you'd wonder like if a manager like John Caulfield was still there instead of maybe someone with less experience like Neil Fane would Cork City be relegated I don't think Cork City would be challenging for the league title by any means this year or even possibly pushing for Europe but I do think maybe they might be there as a solid mid-table team I, I couldn't see a John Caulfield team getting relegated um, as I said it's a contentious thing to say and, and people are probably going to give out about us now for saying it but it does looking back and it's very, very hindsight is an easy thing Roars you know uh, it does looking back look like a, like a costly error for the club and um, the sacking of John Caulfield but, but the problems do lie deeper than that and as Kevin alluded to um, Forrest has been a great organisation for Cork City it's been wonderful. They kind of fell into ownership. I think all three of us are members of Forest, so all three of us will have a, a vote on this takeover on Wednesday night. Um, I think we're all kind of kind of undecided about how we'll go. And I mean, there, there's a lot of chat about it uh, during the week as well. Uh, Grovemore are the company who are, who are possibly going to come in and take over. They're backed by Trevor Hemmings, who owns Preston North End. I mean, he's a billionaire. He's a lot of money. But there's a lot of questions about their motivation and so on as well. 
um, for taking over Cork City. I mean, is it is it is it is it noble intentions? Is it to make money? Is it is it is this what what is the reason they want to get involved? And I, and I, I know the board of Cork City put forward uh, their proposal um, and backed it on Wednesday night at the meeting. But I think a lot of people were disappointed that nobody from Grovemore spoke to the Cork City supporters. Um, maybe Peter Isdale or maybe Trevor Hemmings himself or some spokesman or some representative. I, I think for me and I think for a lot of people I've spoken to, just just even if it's only a gesture, maybe just 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 a sign of respect and maybe a sign of intent that they that they would speak about what they would like to do with Cork City with our football club, which technically we are all the owners of and I mean there's there's 550 people in Cork who are an owner of this football club uh, and thousands more support it and it, just for me and I'd like to know if Kevin would agree for me I, I would like to see it as a sign of respect for that maybe that they would speak to people and I think you might have might have tried to get someone on air to speak about it tonight as well um, but, but I, I just think it would be a sign of intent and it might actually sway if it, sway the vote in their favour if they were to do that Yeah Kevin would you go along with that I mean like, the, it, like it seems like kind of a nameless kind of faceless kind of organisation that are coming in to take over the club and, and Cork City fans don't really know anything about them and it doesn't have to be and to be honest um, I would absolutely like to see that happen I think the current board have a responsibility for that as well um, I think the way this has been dealt with from the current board and I'm not uh, I haven't been private in saying this people have probably seen it on Twitter and I have gotten a bit of sick over but I think it's very very poor really you know we were told about this potential takeover in February um, there was kind of these one line emails were sent um, and then we got to a point where all of a sudden it's being sprung on us that we're being voted only because of the backlash of membership have we had that pre-information meeting which I don't think pe- many people gleaned from it um, but as far as I know the information wasn't exactly forthcoming from Grosmore about what the potential t- uh, proposal would be uh, look I mean going back to those, those Tom Collin days and I suppose a lot of people who have been in Cork soccer know there's been plenty of iterations of, of Cork over the years and the one constant is being that fans haven't been able to have what's going on. It's like the Tom Collins team are all sitting around waiting to see if Justice Lafoy was going to grant us days of execution. Um, the staff were powerless. The, the supporters were powerless as to what went on. Um, and, you know, after whatever, 70 or 80 years of however many football teams we've had in court, we've finally with for us to have the opportunity to vote on it. I mean, even the fact that, you know, we obviously we have divisions within within, within the, the organization and within the membership, which I think is always going to happen. They, they've kind of been accentuated now because the poor team runs its team has been on. But at the end of the day, we have the opportunity to question the board. We have the opportunity to take them to accountability. I don't think there's been enough accountability, to be honest, personally, um, for the way that the club has been. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And I suppose that's fueling some of the the the, distru- the, the distrust towards the force model. But I, I don't think the I don't think force itself is broken. But I certainly don't think the people who have been charged to to uphold it and uh, you know are doing what they're like. It, it seems strange to me that a board that has been elected to you know, uphold Forrest and and in, are being entrusted with the future of Forrest are now telling the membership that they want to get rid of it, basically. Because if we, if we, if, if this Grosmore takeover does come in, then how relevant is Forrest anymore? You know, that's, that's the question I would ask. Who's going to keep continuing to pay 130, 140 euros a year into an organization in which most of the membership have voted against it taking over the club? So I, I have serious issues with how this has been dealt with by the current board. Um, I think that it's been kind of railroaded through to try and um, I, I, I don't I don't think it's the only option personally. Um, like there are clubs in the League of Ireland that we know that have higher debt 
in Cork City. If you actually strip back the debt, our debt isn't actually that high. Um, certainly not something that we couldn't, with a bit of you know elbow grease, a bit of pulling up our sleeves, we couldn't ex- ex- extract ourselves from. With obviously a bit of help from the FAI, which there's been other clubs that have been given licenses that are in a far worse financial position than ours. And, and to suggest that basically it grows more robust, I think is, is insulting to the current membership. And I think is, is wrong personally. Um, I mean, I, I'm obviously not on the board. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but having been involved in League of Ireland football for, for, for two decades now, and you guys know yourselves, you know, it's never that simple. There's always, you know, there's always an opportunity. And I just think, you know, how many white knights in the League of Ireland have we seen have stayed? Like if, if you know, if every white knight um, that is coming in and claiming to take a club to Europe had done so, then we'd already have several teams playing in the Champions League group stages. But usually what happens is they come in, in the case that I'm seeing regularly down in Waterford, the Champions League football doesn't quite happen to the level that they want. They realise the sort of debt and the sort of overheads that are involved. And then they begin to start to distance themselves from it and they begin to lose interest in it. Um, and I'm afraid that might, hap- that might leave us in a situation where we're left with an owner that doesn't want to own the club and we're left in a financial situation that's far worse than we're in without the control to try and turn it around. So um, I, I just think when owners come, owners go, but fans are always constant with a club and there are mistakes being made, but that doesn't mean the force itself is broken. That just means there needs to be more accountability for those who, I suppose, don't uphold the ethos of force in terms of its accountability and transparency and and for for the basically the upholding of the club, the safeguarding of Cork City Football Club, not not to win to get into Europe or to win trophies. That 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 comes um as we know the League of Ireland is very cyclical, but the but the continuing safety of the club is my number one concern and I suppose that's probably where the split lies. I don't know how you how you feel about it, Roy, but it seems to me that there's a split between people who want who follow Cork City for the team's success and yeah. then there's people who follow Cork City for the club. And that seems to be where the division lies. Well, I can see it from both sides. I mean, like, obviously, we'd like the club to be in our own hands, so to speak, and we want the fans to run it. But at the same time, people can argue about financial security and stability, and that's what Grovemore um, could bring to the table and help bring the club forward. Um, I, 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 as you say, I mean, like, people are split on this on this thing, and I think Wednesday night's vote is going to be very, very interesting. Um, I'll put it to you both um, column first do you think that the vote will go through um, being honest for her at the moment uh, and this is only just judging what I've been seeing myself I, I, I obviously um, attended that virtual meeting on Wednesday night the information meeting um, I, I was very disappointed as I said that there wasn't a representative of Grove Moore to, to, to show respect to the members and to, to give us more detail um, speaking to people after judging by what I've seen on Twitter by what I've seen on forums and varying views of a lot of people of a lot of different kind of cohorts of Cork City fans that I've seen I think the vote probably won't go through or that's my opinion I think it'll be voted down I don't think it'll be a huge margin I think it will be voted down I think that could change if Grove Moore were to put forward as I said a Peter Risdale or a spokesman or something during the week and maybe outline some concrete plans and, and like I, I, I'm actually undecided myself for how I'll vote at the moment um, like I, I think it would be a shame as Kevin said to throw away what Forrest has achieved because Forrest has done so well at Cork City it's been, it's been a great 10 years rising from the ashes great success won the double off in Europe wonderful times and the club was very successful I mean should we push through this sale? Should we give it all up just because of maybe a bad year because, because finances aren't good now we won't have crowds maybe for the next while with COVID and so on 
But I mean, should we see that through as a fans organization or should we look at other models? Because again, there are, there are, we won't go into detail on it, obviously, but there are, there are talks of other proposals being available as well. And the ideal model for me, Roar, it's not, it's not available from any organization at the moment, but the, the ideal model for me would be something along the lines of what, what Shamrock Rovers have in terms of a, a kind of a 50-50 split between an investor who would put in money mm. and you have your fans organization, like they have the 500 Club at Shamrock Rovers, Forest would be that organization in Cork City. That would be the ideal in my book if we could get something like that. Um, it, as I said, it's not available now. It, it, maybe it's an unrealistic expectation. Maybe maybe there's no no wealthy investor who would be willing to only take on fifty percent and leave fans at fifty percent. But you'd like to think that maybe maybe if we just maybe if we just stuck with it and saw it out, um, or maybe maybe if 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 if, if this was voted down, maybe Grovemore would come back with an adjusted proposal. I, I just have my doubts for that. That's all I'm going to say. To be honest, what do you think? Kev? Do you think it'll go through, or is it very finely poised at the moment? Rovers, um, they, that model as well, because you know we're being told that this is some sort of benevolent takeover that Grosmore has. Uh, Trevor Hemmings, of course, has a, a connection to Cork City, and therefore he has an interest in it. But surely, if he was that benevolent, and that would be something he would be he would be suggesting, not to take over total control of the club for what is essentially a euro. Um, you know, I don't see why. Forest couldn't be entrusted with the long ongoing membership. Even even the information that we got um, is there's no kind of guarantee that Forest will continue to be involved in it. Like a, you know, there's some sort of ambition there, but I, I think it's very very vague and certainly open to being taken away again at the table if the if the members voted through. Um, it's very hard to tell. Generally, going back to your original question, Rory, about whether whether it'll go through or not, because it's hard to know. Obviously, there are there's a there's a huge amount of talk on on forums and on online social media, etc. How many of those people are actually Forest members is different, um, and how much influence those people have over the actual voting membership is 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 different. So I'm really I'm really not sure. Um, I'm finding it very hard to to be in any way kind of I don't have any we, we, we really as, as supporters haven't been given any sort of information as to what this potential takeover could be we're essentially voting on a, a proposal that isn't yet put on the table um, so I find it personally very difficult to see to put my name towards that Um you know that that's that's the thing. I, as as Colm said, um, look if 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 there if this had been up front from the from the get go, um, and we've been given information about it, had we been given regular updates about it, and had members of Rosemore or even Trevor Hemmings himself um, spoken out about their ambitions for the club and what their plan was, then I I certainly wouldn't be um, against the idea of a takeover. It's not a it's not a power thing. It's not you know we all want what's best for the club, but this kind of secrecy, this these kind of clandestine meetings that are happening without the membership knowing really don't fill me with confidence and I have to say it's very difficult for me to go into Wednesday feeling any sort of confidence to vote on something in which I really have absolutely no idea what it's going to look at I mean if we if we do vote yes we've already given our backing to something that we haven't seen yet I mean would you would you buy a car off Dundee without having to go down and have a look at it at least keep the tyres yeah, exactly. Wednesday's vote is going to be very, very interesting indeed. Um, just on the field matters, lads, um, Colin, I'll ask you first, has Colin Healy done enough in the last couple of games to, to prove that he should be the manager for next season or would you be looking at getting an established kind of first division manager and try and get you up kind of like maybe Stuart Ashton if Cove Ramblers don't come up or maybe even Stephen Henderson? Uh, I, I think both Stuart Ashton and Stephen Henderson are great shouts for the job actually. Um, Roar, we, we, we've mentioned them over the course of the season, but I think Colin has done okay. I think Colin's a good guy. Um, he, he's great standing as a player. He's great standing in the football community. He's done a wonderful job at the Cork City Academy. And even in, in the three or four games since he's come in after taking over from Neil Fenn, I, I think he's changed the way they play. I think there's, there's, a, there's a sense of 
of more kind of attitude and fight and urgency with the team. I mean, even his reaction to, to the game last night, he, he was angry, he was disappointed, you know, he was he was annoyed with the players about how they how they played. Um, I would give Colin Healy a chance next season, definitely to get Cork City back promoted. I, I think he could do the job. I actually I actually think they probably should have changed it and maybe brought Colin in instead of Neil a bit sooner. I think Cork City might have had a better chance of staying in the Premier Division if that had happened maybe maybe four or five games sooner. I, I think you might agree with that yourself for. Um, I, I, I'd give Colin a chance, I would. I mean, he's unproven as a manager, but... But I, I think he's a guy who, who could prove to be a good manager. I, I think he's in that kind of mould uh, of a John Caulfield, a Davy Barry kind of Cork guy, you know. Um, and I think he's worth a shot, definitely. Another man, Kevin, who could be a good shout is uh, Alan Reynolds. He would know from his time in Waterford and he could be a, a good man to come in and study the ship. Harwood lie in Waterford I know Fran Rockish I was talking to him on Thursday for our show with Beast and he was saying that you know afterwards that he'd have no problem going back in with Rennie um, next season because they, they did a great job especially given the fact that you know they had oftentimes like 20 days to cobble together squads um he would be great. He'd be great for a shout for Cork City. Um, I think a lot of fellas in the shed would have to change their allegiances, though, given what we've, we've seen in fanzines going back. Um, no, but <laughs> but on a, ser- on a serious note, like I, 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 I hasn't he, has Colin Healy done enough to? No, he hasn't. Like we haven't won any games. He hasn't. He hasn't delivered us from the drop. The performances have been slightly better, although. You would say, I mean, the two goals conceded against Sligo were pretty much a microcosm of the season, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, even when I was down with Fran, when I was down with Fran yesterday or the the other day, Ty Ryan was in the gym and we were chatting about him um, not returning to Cork City, and that was a surprise to him. He was kind of all set to come back to us, and you know, not to kind of label anybody out individually, but. Um, you know, our goalkeeper situation this year hasn't been good and Tyg was fantastic for us last season. And it's those kind of things that make you wonder, like, what kind of recruitment has there been? Um, you know, we look at the guys like Simpson and um, uh, I can't remember his, the, the other fellow who went back Scott his name's after. Sorry? Scotty Fennick. That's it, yeah. You, you know, Connor Simpson, and you look at you look at Connor Simpson and Scotty Fennick going back um, two months over here. What did they achieve? What was the point of all that? You know, be, be, even through John Coffey there, a huge amount of players, Joshua Hanlon, um, we had uh, Danny Kane, all kind of the reports are falling out. And it's just been a very haphazard recruitment campaign. And I've been hearing stories from former Cork City players where, you know, somebody from the club has asked them to come back and then Neil Fenn has said, no, we don't want you to come back. And there's been all sorts of confusion in the club. Um, and like, without, you know, a lot of these stories are obviously told the confidence off the record, so I won't name many names on it. But there's, there's, I've heard quite a few stories this year from people within the league and, and outside the league that have played in the league about the situation. And it doesn't exactly inspire me with confidence. And it doesn't seem like the two hands are talking to each other. Um so has Colin Healy done enough? No. Um, would I? Do I think he has the potential to do well in the first division? Yes. Um, the, the squad has done better. But if, you're, if your original question is, has he done enough to prove that he can take City in the first division? I would say no, because he hasn't delivered any points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you give him a shot, Kev? I, 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 you know, it's difficult. It depends on who else is out there, basically. I think Colin would be a great assistant manager. Um, he obviously hasn't his pro license done yet. Um I don't know if a Stephen Henderson type would fit Cork City. Stephen would really like a project where he strikes me as a sort of guy that likes a project where he can kind of take ownership of it and he can take control of it. And I don't know whether he'd get that with Cork City, whether he'd just end up frustrated. Um, 
like as you say, Alan Reynolds would be, would be a perfect fit. Um, personally, I think he seems to, he's a great recruitment strategy. He has great contacts. Um, he's all over that Waterford ETP program. So he, he would have, he would have a great idea of the young players coming through the squads and has knows, knows that league very, very well. Also, um, like even, you know, has a good relationship to the intermediate divisions that we've seen with John Caulfield that got us the likes of Marcus Sullivan and, you know, players like that. So, yeah, I think, I think Rennie would be a great fish. That would be my number one choice as it stands. There were very few in the squad this year that really stuck up their hand and showed us that they were, they had the stomach for the fight. So, um, we have a lot of young players. They're going to find it very difficult in a, in a first division. Um, much more physical. Um, but, you know, it, it would be good to see somebody like Keely involved. And I definitely think that, that Colin could be a very successful manager for Cork City going forward. Yes. All right, boys. Uh, very interesting chat. Thanks very much for taking time out of your Sunday afternoons. And uh, look, remains to be seen what happens on Wednesday, but it is going to be very, very fascinating. Of course, we'll be covering it here on Cork Twitter FM. Colin, Kevin, thanks very much. Thanks, Cheers, for yeah, great to talk Cork City there with Colm O'Sullivan, our own Colm O'Sullivan and uh, Kevin Galvin from B1 and 2 and 3. Uh, two huge Cork City fans and uh, very passionate Cork City fans, as you could hear from that discussion. But um, talking about Cork City's relegation, not fun, uh, but it has to be done. Um, big, big uh, decisions to be made now for Cork City in relation to, I suppose, A, the vote on Wednesday and B, who's going to take over next season and guide the club forward. It's going to be very, very interesting indeed. But uh, we're going to have more from that uh, in a minute. We're going to hear from our former City player, Graham Cummins. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Glad you could tune into the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening for more on Cork City's relegation. I spoke to former Cork City player Graham Cummins. All right, joined on the line now by uh, former Cork City player Graham Cummins to talk about Cork City's relegation. And Graham, simple, I suppose it's not a simple question. Um, where did it all go wrong? Oof, well, certainly not last night. I wouldn't look at one game and think that's if they got relegated or the last week or two. It's It's been, I think, building mainly from towards the end of last year. They got, I think, the warning signs were there um, with Cork. Um, like they, were in, they were in a bit of a relegation fight towards the end of last season. And then rather than maybe sign a few more experienced players thinking they might be in trouble this year, maybe... I don't know, is it a bit of arrogance or what, thinking get rid of lads that uh, don't really know the, or that knew the league well and knew uh, knew how to cope in the league and get in some young blood and maybe get up the table. And um, it was it was kind of a gamble, I think, maybe, that uh, they brought in a young squad, brought in a lot of lads from uh, the UK that didn't know the league well, probably thought it was an easier league than what it is, and it's not. It's a very difficult league, and... Um, you need, I think, when you have a young team as well, you need a good start. You need a very good start to the league and losing a home to Shells. And then, of course, the fixtures aren't good. Getting Dundalk and Rovers, your next two games, isn't, isn't what you wanted. And the, the disruption of the league and everything and coming back um, from the COVID situation, they kind of, they got, a, they got a bit of a boost against City. It looked like things go well, but um, unfortunately, it's just not worked out. And, it's not like even other teams in the league have been great this year. I mean, bar Rovers, you wouldn't think anyone in this league, you go, they're a really, really good side. Like, I mean, every it's not like it was tough to get wins in this league. I mean, City have only got two wins, which tells the story, really. But, like, the likes of Derry haven't been good. Bows, I know, have been second in the league. But, again, they lose to halves last night. So, there's no one bar Rovers that you'd say, like, you know what, they've been a really good side this year. It's been a difficult league to win games. It hasn't, like, but City just haven't 
they have to put their hands up and say they haven't been good enough like yeah and do you think if Colin Healy had been brought in a few games earlier would he have turned things around because performances did improve under Colin Healy if that's, that's tough to say I mean definitely like I definitely watched in the last few weeks uh, Colin Healy did improve it I think he like he brought a lot of passion and enthusiasm and I think maybe he kind of saw through some players and got them out of the squad quicker than maybe the previous manager did. It, maybe it took a while for the previous manager to realise that some of these lads just aren't doing it. Where I don't think, I think Healy came in, he was he was ruthless, which he needed to be. He got lads out of the squad that he said they aren't suiting the team. Um, he just, like, I mean, you look at the Waterford game last week, he was so unlucky there. I think had they won that game, it would have been a totally different game. I think they would have got something up in Sligo. It would have been a lot more confidence. Um, it's it's hard to look back because I think the way Neil Fring kind of looked at it, he was given, at the start of the season, I think he was given a budget he mightn't have been pleased with. And he went down, he went a different route. Like he, like I said, he had to go with a lot of younger lads. But I think he took a big gamble with bringing in a lot of lads from the UK on loan that... Unfortunately, just haven't walked out. I, I don't think you would put your hand up and say this guy's been brilliant for us or anything like that. And uh, I think like Colin knew that he knew the club and like and the younger lads coming up. So he definitely definitely did get better performances. But again, it was too late for him to really get a stamp on him. I mean, he's only he had the Dundalk game, which always is going to be difficult. I think the Waterford game, like I said, they should have won. They probably deserved to at least get a draw to yesterday's game as well it just didn't work out You were part of that City team for a while this year what was the atmosphere like in the dressing room while you were there? Um, well I know a lot of people I've, I've been getting a lot of abuse for writing things about Cork um, to be fair I was like the way I looked at it I was a disappointment when I came back to City because I was only fit for two league games um, and actually be fair, like in my head, I was kind of pro going. Well, I didn't play in them, but at least we won one and drew one. But uh, like I, I know myself, I, I was disastrous signing the way you look at it because you go, no, like I was brought in. I, I told, I remember Neil friend saying, you know, I said to him, one of the big things about me is I don't get injured, but I did, and I lost the heart for it, and you know, I, I left. So like, I will put my hand up and say like I was part of this team but I think when I walked in I kind of thought that the dressing room was very segmented that lads didn't really click together like it's, maybe it's just a new kind of way dressing rooms are that like younger lads seem to have a different approach to things now they seem to maybe spend more time in their phones rather than before where you go in I remember last year when I was in there we'd make sure we're going in we're having breakfast together we're sitting down together rather than we're talking away together where maybe like like I said it's different different now you younger lads you lads like I said coming from the UK coming from Dublin all that kind of stuff where I think it's hard to I know I don't want to keep criticising people but you know when you look at like the other players who have come into the club before I mean Carl Shepherd, like put his heart in his sleeve and people go this guy loves Cork like that kind of way Stephen Beattie Conor McCormick all these fellas you could see they took to the city really well and loved the place I don't know the, the other lads like that and like I said maybe maybe some people in that dressing room just thought it was going to be too easy and it was too late before they realised that they were in a real struggle like being, I think sometimes when you're in a club of Cork size and it, don't get me wrong it's the 
biggest club in Ireland. It's like when Cork is going, it, there's nothing beats it. Like, I mean, people might talk about Shamrock Rovers. I've been with the two clubs. And if you say to me, where would you prefer to play in a full house in Tallinn or a full house in Tornas Cross? Tornas Cross is easily the best. And sometimes you can just think, oh, like, I know they always say that and you always read that you go there too good to go down or too big to go down. You do fall into that sense. Like, when you go up to Tornas Cross, you go, look at us. Like, we're a big club. Like, we won't get dragged down. You do get maybe into that false sense of, like, you know what, we'll we get out of this eventually. Like, I mean look at us like and look at other clubs in the league so maybe some lads did think of that and there's a harsh reality towards the end that it's kind of caught up with them and you need to put in a bit more effort and I don't know like the way I kind of look at it and people might think it's bad is I, I recently read a piece um, with Aaron McIniff out of Shamrock Rovers and he spoke about Ibrahimovic and he was just saying oh how cocky he was on the pitch and he had every right to be and what surprised me, and it kind of stood out, is the rest of it. He talked about League of Ireland, saying you don't get that League of Ireland. But he said, apart from Cork, we kind of had that. And that was a big flag to me. Like, I mean, when you've a Shamrock Rovers player saying that Cork City players were arrogant during a game, a game that they lost 6 0 as well, that has to be a warning sign straight away. Like, and you, you'd worry about that. And that would say to me, things weren't right. How can you be in a game like losing six nil and actually won't even speak? You'd be just hiding like you don't turn around and mock a, a player on another team when you're losing that bad. Like it, like that's that's a worrying sign, and that's why you would be down at the bottom of the league when you're joking about and trying to mock an opposition for six nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, looking ahead to next season, would you give the job to Colin Healy? Has he has he done enough over the last couple of games to? get the job on a full-time basis or would you looking at managers like Stephen Henderson Alan Reynolds maybe even Stuart Ashton if Ramblers don't come up uh, I, look I think the one thing Cork have now is they don't just jump in jump the gun and just make quick fire decisions now you have to reassess things I know they probably thought we have to look towards next year a few weeks ago um, I'm certainly sure like Colin Healy is one of the front runners for the job but like again like you said I've walked with Rennie I think he'd be brilliant for the job Stuart Ashton done incredible when he was there and Hendo's always like I always had time for Hendo and he knows the first division it's not about people thinking oh this like um, we need the top, the best manager I think you need sometimes you need the person who knows the division and knows Ireland the best like I mean you look at like some managers just come into the league just for a quick, like, like Sheridan of Waterford. He's a big name, big profile, but he jumped ship after a month, and that's not something you want. You need to sit down and think who's going to be the best manager, who's going to be best suited for these divisions, who's going to know what kind of team is going to be needed to put out for when we go away to places like Cabin Teeley and all that kind of way. Because it's been, it's been realistic, like, there's a big difference between playing away to Cabin Teeley and playing away to Shamrock Rovers, what you kind of need, like, so it's going to be hard to motivate lads because like next year when Cork are in the first division, they're going to be the scalp, they're going to be one they're going to be the club that everyone's going to want to play against and want to up their game against. So it's gotta be like they've got to be aware of that as well, that they're going to come up against teams when they do play like Cavan Teeley and stuff, they're going to up their game against Cork because they're going to be seen as like this is the big game of the season, like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the first division is not an easy league to get out of. Um and it's gonna be a challenge, but for Cork City's sake, they, I suppose they have to bounce back and try and get out of that league and get out of the first division at the first time of asking next season. 
Yeah, oh, well, definitely. Like, I mean, the longer you're down there, the harder it is, obviously, to get out. I think, like, obviously, like I said, the big thing with Cork is they're going to be the biggest club in that division. So they're going to be able to attract players. Like, if anyone has a choice of playing first division for Cork or anyone else, they'll go Cork and Cork could get easily Premier Division players would want to play with Cork because of the size of it. And I think for Cork as well, they're not one of these clubs like a yo-yo club that will go up and down. I mean, if Cork do well in the first division and get promoted, they're not going to be a club that go into the Premier Division and go, we're just here to make up the numbers again. Like Cork can be back in two years challenging for the league as such the size of the club. It's not something that you think like, do you know what? This is a harsh reality. It might take us years to get back up. I don't think it will. I think if Cork regroup, have one good season again next year in the first division, get promoted, they can go straight back into the Premier and start and challenging again. And that's that's what they've got to be looking at. Um, I know fans will be really disappointed. No one think I might be talking crazy, but like like I said, I think speaking to any other, like speaking to other former players, they think the exact same. Like Cork can attract the best players. They're not a club that are going down and you're going, why would we want to go to that club that's just been relegated? I think clubs will go, like, if players will look at Cork and go, geez, it's a good club to go to and that division, like, where, like, they'd be still competing for the best players. I think the sign, if they had the choice, like, I know a lot of lads who live, like, Munster and stuff, if, if you were signing again, like, Waterford or Cork, even though they're different divisions, you'd probably sign Cork again because of the size of the club. That's what they have at their advantage at the moment. This it's still a massive, massive club with a huge fan base. I suppose winning the league, or winning the first division actually in 2011 for sure last minute header against Shelburne was nine years ago now, mm. um, which was a, a fantastic occasion. There's no reason why Cork City can't go and win the league again. But I suppose when you look back at that whirlwind, kind of like ten years since Forest taking over to now, it's been an incredible journey for Cork City. Yeah, like, like I said in football, if you'd said again to the supporters when that when the club was on its knees that time and it looked like it was it wouldn't come back and we started up in Derry with a coach, like a 16 coach seater and we'd only like 12 players going up and if you'd said to them, look in 10 years time, 11 years time, you're going to win the first division, you're going to win two FAI Cups or win the league but you will get relegated I'm sure supporters would have bit your hand off then and said Jesus there's no chance we'll no will be managed to do that in 10 years but they have been playing Europe and Champions League everything like that and there's been some incredible nights down in Turner's Cross since and it will like come back to that again like it's just it might take a bit more it's just gone the wrong way I, I suppose when Cork did get promoted you didn't ever see it that like it would be back in the first division. It was probably just the struggles of a few, few years in the first division they were expecting. Then once they got up, they would stay up. But um, like I said, I think it's been definitely like they've exceeded expectations since they've got up into the Premier Division, um, winning it, competing with Dundalk. They've just been very unfortunate that they've come up against Dundalk like for so many years. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more league trophies there. Um, but like like I said, they just have to you just regroup now and probably the worst thing about it is now that they've actually got one more game to go because I'm sure that the players would just want to just have the season over and see where you go next year because it's probably at the stage now of the last home game of the season. They probably like will only want players there that they're gonna use for next year. Like there's no I don't see the point in keeping lads hanging around if 
they don't have a future in the club. I don't think you'd see them feature in the last game of the season anyway. Yeah, I think there's going to be like a funeral-like atmosphere around Turner's Cross next Sunday night, that's for sure. Um, so I suppose, finally, Graham, just to touch on the, the big forest vote on Wednesday night about the, the potential sale of the club to, to Trevor mm-hmm. Hemmings and, and, and Grovemore. What are your thoughts on that and where do you see that going? Uh, well, if I was if I was in that club, if I was a forest member, I'd be putting my hand up to say you should sell the club. Um, I think it definitely needs investors. I think you look at Shamrock Rovers, you look at Dundalk. If you want to be successful and sustain success, is the most important thing. Is the key. Um, you have to have investors. You have to keep going because it's very hard to make money in this league and to attract the best players. I mean, if Cork want to get back up and win the Premier Division again and be getting them good European nights, they have to get investors in because otherwise Rovers and Dundalk are just going to dominate the league for years because they're going to be able to attract the best players because of the money that they have. Now, the other side of things is, does Hemmings want to buy the club in the end? Like like I said before, uh, Peter Ridgedale, his advisor, has said that clubs in the championship are struggling. Um, does he have the money to go back in now because of the COVID situation? Like months ago when they wanted this clause put in, they would have had the money. They would have probably expected Cork as well to be a Premier Division team next season. So again, it's become less attractive in the last few hours. Um, so it's just, you just have to go one step at a time. You got to, there might be other interested parties is the other way around it. Um, so that's the way you got to go. You, I think, I think if you're a force member, you got to put your, you just got to say, we've had a good ride now. We've got to let it go to the next step if they want to go and sustain success. Like I said, you need investors. You have to do it that way. It'll be very interesting to see what happens on Wednesday night. All right, Graham, pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much, man, and uh, no doubt I'll see you soon. Thank you. That's Graham Cummins there, very much in favour of the uh, proposed takeover by Grovemore, uh, the vote of which is happening on Wednesday night. Uh, very lot of lot of strong opinions from both sides uh, on, on the matter, so it'll be very interesting to see how uh, Wednesday night's uh, vote goes. We did ask uh, the uh, chairman, Declan Kerry, to come on uh, to talk about it, but he declined ahead of Wednesday's vote, so we'll hopefully talk to him next weekend uh, about that following uh, the vote on Wednesday, but it's a, a massive moment for the club on Wednesday night um, so um, if you're a Forest member be sure and register and uh, have your say and have your vote on Wednesday night uh, now a big night for Cove Ramblers on Tuesday night as they look to uh, book their place in the uh, playoffs they take on Shamrock Rovers but they also need results to go their way on Tuesday evening as well on a massive night all uh, in teams playing on Friday night so it should be a cracking night in the first division but I spoke to Ramblers fullback John Kavanagh uh, ahead of the game I think there's there's implications in all five games, so uh, something to look forward to anyway, um, and uh, hopefully we can do the business. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, like, you see Galway United's result last night, and that keeps them right in the hunt uh, until the final day of the season. It just shows you how competitive the first division is this year. Yeah, it has. Um, like every game you play, really, you're, you, like, you go in for it to win. Um, and as you can see, really, from the results, um, everyone is beating each other. Um, so it's been it's been it's been quite a strange year. Um, I think at the moment we're only we're only nine points off top, um, and we're placed in seventh. I think so. That just kind of shows how competitive really and um, how unpredictable the league the league is. It generally is unpredictable, but this year I think um, it's been it's been completely um, unpredictable. Um, so hopefully now 
we can just um, do the business on, on Tuesday and um, obviously hope results go our way in other games and um, that will set us up nicely then for the playoffs, hopefully. John, how would you describe your season so far? I mean, like I was speaking to Ian Turner last week and he was kind of a bit frustrated about inconsistency and, and points being dropped. Um, how would you, I suppose, describe Ramblers' season so far? Um, yeah, I'd go along the line of that, really. Um, just the kind of the inconsistency, really, um, is, is, is probably hurting us a bit. Um, our home form probably isn't as good as as we as we would have liked, but obviously without the fans and stuff, um, maybe that's having an impact. It's hard to say. Um, I was just looking at the table a while ago, and I think we've lost um, seven games and, and, and drew two. So maybe that's an area maybe um, we probably will look back on and think if we could have got a couple of extra draws in in, in those in those losses, um, possibly we might be a little bit um, a little bit higher on the table. But at the moment, really, I suppose what what's gone is gone. Um, no doubt, there's games that we look back on now, um, even before Tuesday, and say that that we missed opportunities here and there, but. It doesn't really count for anything now, and and all that matters really is Tuesday. Um, so we just have to focus on that. Um, prepare tomorrow as best we can. Obviously, we've done a bit of work yesterday as well, um, and just give it a roll. Um, I think regardless of what happens, really, I think we can be kind of um, we can be proud of of what we've done so far. Um, you know, just obviously it's been a strange season. Um, in terms of COVID and different things like that, you know, it was, it was touch and go for a while and whatever. But I think since since the break, is, or since we've come back from the break, I thought we've done reasonably well. You know, we picked up wins against Longford away, Drada away, Shamrock Rovers, who we play, we, we beat them um, away. Um, we beat Galway away. So as you can see there, our, our away form is, is, is very good, really. Um, and then you look at some, some of the games we played at home, maybe... The UCD one, obviously, I got fed off in that one, um, and we lost heavily, which is disappointing. And then you look back, I think, two or three weeks ago when Kevin Dealey scored a last-minute winner down there. Um, so those are kind of the games we'll we'll look we'll, we'll, we'll probably, you know, regret, I suppose, if you want to if you want to say that um, if, if things don't go our way on Tuesday. But what's gone is gone. Um, I think all we can do now is just focus on Tuesday and and just hope we get over the line because I think we do have we do have the players to get over the line Your sending off against UCD was quite harsh wasn't it? <laughs> yeah um, I think it was anyway yeah um, yeah I think it was I think it was <laughs> Yeah, that's and uh, that sending off changes the whole game. I suppose you're right in at that point, and I suppose kind of sums up, I guess. I suppose uh, the lack of luck that Rams have had at certain stages. Yeah, um, and I kind of had a chat with one of the players, but this is where we actually haven't had a lot of luck um, throughout the season. Um, like I think, I like I don't think we got a penalty. I think in I don't know, is it over twelve months now? Um, I think we've we've had one or two against us. Uh, rightly or wrongly but um, yeah a couple of decisions haven't gone away but look um, you'd hope they even themselves all over the season so hopefully there's a bit of luck um, in in a death loss on, uh, on Tuesday 
Yes, John Kavanagh there speaking ahead of a massive night for Cove Ramblers uh, this uh, Tuesday night as they take on Shamrock Rovers. Fingers crossed everything goes their way on Tuesday night and they get into the playoffs. It'll be an absolutely fantastic achievement for that Cove Ramblers team. Now, the Camogie Association received direction from the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gwaltuck, Sport and Media in relation to the operation of the Intercounty All-Ireland Championship competitions on Friday that due to the latest public health advice in relation to COVID-19. Uh, they announced the restructuring of the 2020 Liberty Insurance All-Ireland Intermediate and Premier Junior Championship it stated that each county can now field just one team in the All-Ireland competitions in each code across Gaelic games and therefore only the senior inter-county team in each county can now be accommodated within the competition. As a result, the Intermediate and Premier Junior Championships were taken from the competition. Linda Mellerick, the former Camogie star and Evening Echo Camogie correspondent, uh, spoke to Valerie about the disappointing news. It is, Valerie. I, I think, if, you know, look, we all understand the restrictions and when we went to Level 5, I think, you know, the GA were going to do something and you know, earlier in the week when they, um, they, you know, they cancelled all underage competitions, and you know, I thought, I thought that was, you know, look, we all understand why things are to be done. I feel, I all, I feel very sorry for underage players because their time is so limited, and I, I hope those championships go ahead at some stage. Um, but you know, it was, it was announced that all adult competitions would go ahead. That was great. Um, you know, players were driving on. I have a niece myself who's involved with uh, the Cork Intermediate team. You know, fully preparing all week for their game against Kerry today. You know, eating well, doing everything right, and then to be told yesterday, well, actually, no, it's not all adult competitions; it's only one. So I think, you know, that was devastating. I think it's just wrecking, it's just messing with people's heads, really. If they had come out earlier in the week and said, look, just, just one adult senior team, I think people would have accepted it better. But to to say just the underage, all adult teams go ahead, and then the day before that most championship games are kicking off in the uh, intermediate and junior, premier junior championship to just say, well, actually no, you're out too. I just think you know, it, I know it's had an awful impact on the players. They're devastated. You know, it means everything to them to, to wear their county jersey. And I know the big, the, the bigger picture is is the right thing to do. But I think it's just the way it came out and kind of just I suppose making it up as they went along this week really and I know it's new to everybody but I just think this could have been handled far better No I agree with you in that and I think you know the impact that it will have on these players mentally Linda like they, as you said these girls have prepared for a game today and they were told within less than 24 hours that it's not going ahead how do you think you were a former player how do you think it would have affected you mentally? Well, playing for Cork meant everything for me. I think it would have absolutely devastated me, you know. Um, I just loved putting on the Cork jersey. I got such a buzz coming up to championship time. Um, and, you know, it's not even... I didn't even know... I don't know that the players even know at this stage is is it completely ruled out for the rest of the year. Mm. Uh, that they just all of a sudden... Everything stops. The training, the preparation, the, the games. Um, and that's devastating for players. I know, you know... You know, one week you're training three or four times a week with your county and all of a sudden then stop. And when you're so looking forward to it, I know it would have devastated me anyway. I just know that for a fact. So I can only imagine what it's doing to the to, to the to the players across the country. You know, it's devastating for them. You know, we've all gone through an awful lot. They're going through an awful lot. But you know, to to to, to have something that you that you love and it's so good for their mental health to be out training like that. You know, they just love going training. And it's, 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 you know, it's coming into the winter months. It was something that they were really looking forward to. And as I said, I'm not sure now, is it completely gone for the year or do they plan to play it later? I'd imagine it's gone for the year at this stage or it's fully gone for 2020 and it'll be a new campaign in 2021. 
and that's just devastating. It is devastating, Linda, because I think the bigger picture here is some of those players might not get the chance to play intermediate next year, could have been in their last year, you know. Is this it for those players? Like, that's that's not right at all. Yeah, I suppose from an intermediate and junior perspective, you know, the window is far wider than if you were underage. I mean, the only reason I'd imagine that you weren't available next year is maybe work or family commitments or, you know, you're kind of at the end of your playing career. Thankfully, at intermediate and junior, you know, there's no age limit and, you know, they can kick off again next year. But, you know, a year is a long time in sport and so much can happen. And, you know, it doesn't just automatically um, go that you'll be there next year again. So you don't know what's going to happen, really. Look, Linda, well, hopefully that the senior championship is kicking off. I know Cork last week, they didn't really get off to a good start being uh, handed a walkover, but next weekend to Wexford. And how do you see that one going? Look, I, I, actually, they're at home to Wexford next week. It's in uh, it's in Parky Ring at two o'clock next uh, Saturday. They're away then to Galway the, the following week. Um, look, they, they they should account for Wexford, but they, they've an awful lot of injuries. Um, Wexford, gave, even though Wexford lost to Galway last week by 5.17 to 3.9, um, they still put up a good fight. Cork have a lot of injuries. You know, Laura Tracy might possibly won't be back in time for Wexford. Katrina Mackey, Julia White, a lot of players missing. So, you know, it's it, and it's their first championship game whereas Wexford now have a game behind them That's Linda Miller right there talking to us about a disappointing situation uh, for the uh, for I suppose Camogie in general in the country and uh, looking ahead to Cork's clash next weekend We're out of time thanks very much indeed for listening to us on the Big Red Bench this evening we're back next Saturday from 6pm podcast online very shortly Green and Red up next enjoy the rest of your bank holiday Sunday Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM